Good morning. Welcome to Mercy Poured Forth. So good to see everybody here this morning. Hello, Lee and James and um, Wirewool. Good to have you here. I appreciate you guys being here. It's one of those mornings I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do this. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I wish that I had pre-recorded if I have a really rough night. So um, you guys be praying for me. Today is a rough day. Shalom, Oliver. Good to see you. But, you know, when I pre-record, sometimes I'll do that in anticipation of, of maybe not feeling well. And um, but then I miss the live fellowship. So I figured you guys would maybe rather, rather have me a little slow, a little off my game rather than not at all. And and I love the fellowship with you guys. I was thinking about it. I was thinking, you know what? You guys are the reasons I wake up and want to put earrings on in the morning because <laughs> I love you guys. All righty. Let me see what we had this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and add what I had to the stream. I've been um, studying my way through as I've been trying to record some um, books for us so that we can have them. We Good morning, Nina. Good to see you. Um, so that we can have them on record when we want to go back and just review a book while we're busy working or whatever we're doing, you know, that we have it available to listen to. So right now I'm getting ready to do first uh, and second Samuel. So I've really been, you know, meditating on the stories in there and thinking about that. So we're going to talk about Samuel this morning. Let me add this to the screen. I had a picture of a rose. I've been, you know, practicing with my technology, but uh, I just put it on my document. So anyway, uh, the story to me, it really spoke a lot about maybe a husband that doesn't completely understand the depth of his wife's heart. You know, he loves her with all his heart, but doesn't understand what's totally important to her. Whew, I, I understand that that can be a lonely place. And you see that in this story. There was a culture of multiple wives. So, I mean, it can be hard enough for one man and one woman to figure everything out. Imagine adding a, a, another woman to the mixture of that. And that was just the culture. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Asia. So glad you guys could join us. So, you know, that right there and then that competition and adversary going on in the home all the time, right? Um, then you go to the one place of worship and the, the priesthood is completely faithless and corrupt, uh, operating in a spirit of greed and manipulation. You're, you've got false accusations leveled at you when you're just trying to worship yeah. So, and, and even causing your whole moral character to be called into question. So I thought this was a really interesting story. How many different things, how many different elements there are of what's going on. So we're just going to read through the, the first little part and maybe talk about that a little bit. So I'm in first Samuel one chap, uh, verse one it says, now there was a certain man of Ramathayim, Zephoam of Mount Ephraim. So again, we're dealing with a family that comes from the tribal area allotted to the tribe of Ephraim. We just saw um, in the book of Judges several accounts of this where they were from, you know, the, the man who had the concubine who was dismembered and sent all over. They were from Ephraim. Um, 
Deborah and Barak uh, also from Ephraim. So we saw that in, in Judges when we went over that. So here again, we're seeing this. And it, when I'm reading through the scriptures, you know, I like to keep in, in mind the time frame because right now we're dealing with just the tribe of Ephraim right? Where that allotment was. But when you get later at time periods in the scripture, then you're dealing with the entire Northern kingdom, sometimes referred to as Ephraim, sometimes referred to as uh, Yasharel. So the time period is important right now. We're just dealing with the tribe. Okay. So now there was the certain man of Ramathayim Zephoam of Mount Ephraim, and his, his name was Elkanah, the son of Yerikam, the son of Eliu, the son of Tukud, the son of Zaph, and Ephrathi. And he had two women. The name of one was Hannah and the name of other Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, everything about your worth or value as a woman in this particular culture was centered on your ability to produce children. And women were considered worthless if they were not able to perform that function. So not getting pregnant was huge. Being barren was, was huge in the culture. So uh, verse three, and this man went out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto Yahweh Zavaot in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Pinniak, the priest of Yahweh, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penaniah his woman and to all her sons and to her daughters portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah, but Yahweh had shut up her womb. Okay, so her husband loves her dearly, but her, her womb has been closed. So she's not having children into verse six. And her adversary also provoked her sore. So, you know, when when we're looking at the the word, you know, um, it usually is put Hasatan, right? As a it's a title, it's not a person, Hasatan. And so when we're looking at the word adversary, we're thinking, you know, what is it that one that would be a Hasatan, what would he do? He would be adversarial. He would be provoking. He would be, you know, trying to make her life difficult and, and miserable, right? So somebody who's uh, in the spirit realm, I believe, assigned. Because remember, every time, even though we're dealing with people and things come through people, what we're really dealing with is the spirit that's behind that. Because our fight is not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities, right? And, and they work through people, <laughs> usually people that we have to deal with every single day. Okay. Okay. So the adversary also provoked, provoked her sore for, to make her fret because Yahweh shut up her womb. So even how does that come? That can come to in the mental. See, you're never going to have any children. You know, that little voice that just nag, nag, nags. You know, this is what's wrong in your life. This is what's terrible. This is never going to get fixed. How would you, how would that ever, you're not worth anything. You know, just that little nag, 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 nag thing that that's adversarial, that's steals from our peace, steals from our joy, steals from 
what we know Yahweh truly wants from us, steals from our ability to understand that he is good and his mercy endures forever and, and he will never leave us or forsake us, that he always has a good plan for us. But our job is to wait upon him, right? Wait in, in quietness and confidence and, and strength. And I'm going to, as soon as I'm done here, we're going to have an audio today and we're going to talk about some of that in the audio today. All right. So he had shut up, Yahweh had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of Yahweh, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. So I'm sure the enemy was working through this other wife, right? And it was so much that Hannah didn't even want to eat anymore. So then said Elkanah, her man to her. I love this part. This is so funny to me, right? Listen to what's behind this one. Hannah, why do you weep? And why eat you not? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? I mean, her man obviously loves her. He favors her. She's his favorite, you know, out of the two. And he loves her and adores her, but he doesn't get her. <laughs> right? He doesn't understand her heart at all. He's like, I adore you. Shouldn't all your adoration just be on me? Shouldn't that be enough? Why do we need anybody else? Right? I just think that that's so funny with the man that can love so much and yet totally miss what's going on with the woman that he loves and not get it. <laughs> I just think that's funny. It happens sometimes, right? <laughs> all right. So let's go on in the story. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of Yahweh. So, you know, there they've gone to the temple to make the offering. Right. And um, and he's the one sitting there watching, observing. OK, so now we've got the, the religious aspect. So then in. Verse 10, it says, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto Yahweh and wept sore. You know, I don't know that my prayers wouldn't make me look like a, you know, crazy drunken person if I was, you know, when I am in deep distress over things and really pouring out my heart. Right. So here's what happens in verse 11. She vowed a vow and said, Oh, Yahweh Zavaot, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me and not forget your handmaid, but will give unto your handmaid a male child, then I will give him unto Yahweh all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. She's saying, I will, I will give him back to you as a Nazarite. This is the same thing that happened with Samson, right? No razor came upon his head and, and he had, that was that Nazarite vial. They didn't have any, uh, didn't drink anything but water, just, you know, no fermentation into the body at all. Right. And it came to pass as she continued praying before Yahweh that Eli marked her mouth. So Eli's sitting there, you know, and he's got the, it's a corrupt priesthood and he's got corrupt sons and he's not being a good leader. And then he's watching this woman. Now, verse 13, now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had, she had been drunken. So he's like, who is this drunken woman? you know, making a fuss over here. 
And Eli said to her, how long will you be drunken? Put away your wine from you. So now he's acu accusing her of being a, a drunkard coming up to pray, right? And um, so that's very insulting. But here's what Hannah does in verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Adonai, right? She said, no, my Lord, no, my Adonai. I am a woman. So she was, she was respectful in how she addressed him. I am a woman of a sorrowful Ruach. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul, my nefesh before Yahuwah. Count not your handmaid for a daughter of Belial, right? She's saying, don't consider me an evil Baal worshiper, right? That's not who I am. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the Elohim of Yasharel grant you your petition that you have asked of him, right? I think this is beautiful. So he, he responds, oh, okay. You know, if you're not a drunkard, well then, you know, Yah, grant you what you want. It really probably just kind of dismissively, but you know, it doesn't matter. He was the priest and in that position and he was able to, you know, grant that blessing for her and she believed it. So she said, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. So the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. Why? Because she believed, you know, it didn't matter that it was a corrupt priesthood. It didn't, she was just looking for one bit of, of hope to hang on to. And she got it and she hung on to it. That's her faith just rose up. So in verse 19, it says, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before Yahweh and returned and came to their house to Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his woman. What is that? Yadah had an intimate relationship with her and did, and Yahweh remembered her. So Yahweh said, oh, okay. Yep. I saw her. I saw the way, the humble way she dealt with the whole thing of being accused. I saw, you know, her reaction to being persecuted. I saw all that and I remember her prayer. So Yahweh remembered her and I remembered her vow <laughs> about, about her child, right? Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bore a son and called his name uh, Shemuel saying, because I've asked him of Yahweh. So I just wanted to take a look for one second at the name. Samuel. So we look at it. It's uh, 8050 in the Strongs. We've got a Shin, a Mem, a Vav, and then it ends with um, Aleph, Laman, L. Okay. So Samuel means his name is L, according to Brown Driver Dregs. Um, and then it just tells us this is the son of Elkanah by his wife. Hannah, a judge or prophet of Israel during the days of Saul and David, but it comes from 8085 and 410. So 410 is the L, right? And so Shemu, right? Shemu looks like it would be the root. So let's look. And it says it, it actually is not because see here it goes Shen Mem Vav. So I can assume that that would be the root, but it's not. 
that vav in this case was used more like a vowel. So then when it goes to the root, it shows us what it actually has on the end of it is an ayin, which I found surprising. So we've got shema. Well, I know what shema is, right? Shema Yasharel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad right? That's exactly what that is. We are to Shema. We are to hear. We are to obey. And it's the call out to all of Yasharel that's found in uh, Deuteronomy, I believe, six is where that is. So <clears throat> Shema, Shema is a primitive root word. The Brown Driver Briggs definition is to hear, to listen, to obey. It's a verb. It's an action. It's active listening. It's like I am listening and I'm going to obey. I'm going to hear what you're saying to me, Yah, and then I'm going to put my feet in that direction. I'm going to put it to practice in my life. This is what Shema means. It's an active listening. It's not just I hear you. It's I hear you and I'm going to respond to you right? I am going to be obedient to obey what I have heard you tell me to do. So this is the root of Samuel's name, you know, which is very interesting. And a lot of names spin off that. This has always been a special name to me because like Samantha is a girl's name in, in um, English that is very popular. I named my own daughter, Samantha. And, you know, honest confession here at the time, being the biggest, uh, uh, big as a, as big of a heathen as I was and having no idea anything about Yah, his word, what it meant, the Hebrew, any of it, you know, I named her Samantha because my favorite TV show was Samantha on Bewitched as a child, right? I mean, that's how, where I was at, <laughs> but today... I can pray to her and say, Father, thank you. I can pray ab about her and about her life. And I can say, Father, thank you that your direction and hand was upon me. I was doing something in ignorance and really following a pagan idea. However, you knew what you were doing and having me name her that. And I'm praying, Father, that she has this root in her life to be able to not only hear your voice, but the ability to obey you and walk after you in all her ways. I mean, it's amazing to me what Yah does for us, right? And so then L is on his name also. And here we see that in the, it's H410, then the Brown Driver Briggs, like God, a God-like one, a mighty one or mighty ones, men or men of rank, angels, false God, demons, or imaginations, right? Have no images before you, right? No false El Ohim. <laughs> yeah, it's all right there. Uh, it can be uh, with a, a false God with a small G or our Elohim Yahweh with the capital G, right? So it, the L, and that, this is why people get very confused um, when they're studying out the worship of Baal and, and, um, or the Canaanite religion, because they're saying, you know, the name of their God was L. Well, yeah, L can, it's another title, right? And it depends on who you're assigning it to. We know who our Elohim is. We know who Yahweh is, but you know, this is why you can't always count on when people say, oh, well, I just thank God 
you know, I'm not going to go by that. I want to know who you're talking about. I want to know who you're referring to, right? Because it, it can mean a lot of different things, right? All right, let's just finish this little bit of the story so I can do the audio class on time. <laughs> all right. Oh, thank you guys. I see all your comments. I'm I'm loving it that you guys are here. Welcome, Asia. Good to see you. It's, I'm I see it all, and I appreciate you guys so much. So, um, verse twenty one, and the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto Yahweh the yearly sacrifice and his bell. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her man, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before Yahweh and there abide forever. She knew, I mean, here she is, you know, this is the child that she prayed for in belief and she's going to, you know, be obedient and give him to the, to Yahweh as a gift to be in his service forever. And yet she's like, but I'm going to, I'm going to cherish this baby time while I've got it. I'm going to cherish this baby time and put all my love into him before I have to hand him on over to Yah, because that was my vow, right? Um, in verse 23, and Elkanah, her man said unto her, do what seems, uh, seems good to you, tarry until you have weaned him, only Yahweh established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of Yahweh in Shiloh. And the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Adonai, as your soul lives, my Adonai, I am the woman that stood by you here praying unto Yahweh for this child. I prayed and Yahweh has given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore, also, I have lent him to Yahweh as long as he lives he shall be lit to Yahweh and he worshiped there. You know, that's just an amazing story. You know, when you think about that with our children, sometimes that's the hardest part of all of everything that's going on in this world right now is for me to remember that Yah loves my, my child more than I do, that he's the one who created her in my womb, that I'm to keep my hand open to him where she is concerned and know that he is watching out for her and loves her. And I'm to pray for ability to hear and for blessings and for protection. And then I'm to trust him completely with her life and with the lives of those that I love. And I think sometimes as a woman, that can be one of the hardest things in the world to do. Yet this is a great story to remember. Yah is faithful. And so I believe there's, there's a verse in scripture that I love that talks about in quietness and confidence, let that be your strength, right? The, the quietness to quiet my soul and have confidence in Yah and is in his plans, right? And that that's where I'm going to be able to draw strength from, to be able to endure and do whatever I need to do. So that's what I am always praying for. And um, that's what we're going to talk about when I come back in about six minutes, a little less than six minutes for the Odeo class. So it's kind of like part one, part two. Uh, this is my goal 
for what I'm trying to do on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, is now my day that I'll be doing Mercy Poured Forth. Um, and, as, you know, Laura Lee was doing it on Thursdays and we bless her and wish her well. She's just not at a place where she can continue to do that right now. And so we love her and wish her blessings. Okay. And um, so anyway, you guys, I'm we're kind of rearranging things. So that's what my plan is. And like I said, even on the days when I'm hurting, I'm going to do my best and trust that y'all will overlook my uh, kind of skipping around a little bit. Cause on the days when I feel like this, it, it can be tough, right? <laughs> okay. So y'all be praying for me because there's not a thing in my body that's not on fire and hurting right now. All right. But I'll be back in less than five minutes. Alrighty. Shalom. Hey!